Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose, program number five. And we're going to talk about the centurion today in program number five on our series, The Life. And of course, you'll be able to. Uh, go to our website, www.justasiamministries.com, and get this program again if you're so inclined to and you want to hear it again. Uh, that's uh, Freedom to Choose program number five on the life, and it's the Centurion. Uh, Susan, before we get going, would you open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the opportunity we have to um, open your word and to share your ideals and your principles that um, we may be taught through your spirit and how um, you save humanity and how you've saved humanity and how you desire for us to be a part of that. And we just pray now that you'll send your spirit to guide our words and to um, help us to um, share that wonderful knowledge. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Now, today's program is based on Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13, and Luke 7, verses 1 through 17. And I want to talk a little bit about the centurion uh, in regards to, you know, I, we did a whole series on parables and object lessons, and, you know, a lot of these stories are actually metaphors when you break them down. They're stories in real life, but they're actually metaphors. And, of course, the centurion to a Jew— that was on. He was on the enemy's side, mm -hmm. and he was more or less a leader in the in the enemy's army. And so the the metaphor for it, as we notice, as we look through this, we can break that down. It's going to be kind of fun to look at at that kind of stuff. Because um, so we go back to Jesus and what he talked about. But he said that those that didn't believe him, he said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's John four, uh, verse forty eight. But he was, he was troubled that his own nation needed outward signs and miracles of proving who he was. Over and over, he'd have been, he, he was like amazed at their unbelief. But he was astonished at the faith of the centurion who came to him. The centurion didn't even question Jesus' power. He didn't even ask him to come in person to perform the miracle. He, he said, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Right, so this it kind of brings us to the question, um, who are miracles for? So are they for the weak in faith, or are they for the strong in faith? Mm. Um, this is why te our testimonies are, can be so powerful. 
it's so that the weak in faith have something to hold on to, or if the weak in faith, you know, or if people are looking for something to believe in, if they can actually see that change in a person's life, then then it kind of strengthens their faith to see God's actual working. Yeah, to restore someone from you know from one thing to another one. So the leper had faith, the paralytic had faith, but who were those miracles for? It was to win everybody that was looking on and everybody that had heard the stories about those miracles. That that it was, you know, it was for the people mm-hmm. that were healed, but it was also for everybody that watched. Yeah, the people, you know, the weak in faith were drawn to Jesus because they'd heard of other miracles. I mean, you think about it. You, I know when I, when I walk, I, I didn't believe in God. I walked into an NA meeting, mm-hmm. and here were a bunch of addicts, clean and sober. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. There's, you see, and so it, it's for those of us that that had at one time literally no faith. You see stuff that's undeniable, right? And the more the if you if we're willing to take it in and look mm-hmm. objectively and say, you know, it's what happened. I mean, I, I was down and out. I was all done, and I walk into this meeting, and I am now around clean and sober people who used like I did. But the the difference was was there was a whole bunch of them, and I'd never been for many many years around clean and sober people. So, right. well, see, and I like the way that we sign off on the radio program every time we it, sign it, off it, by it, saying. Yeah, the, the miracle, you, right. you know, two ways to live your life. One is like, like nothing is, and a miracle near is like everything is right. a miracle. Right, and so I think that the, that can, what can kind of be different for people like us who have come out of drug addiction, it's like you're so dead. You know, we were so dead when we got to that bottom, from mm-hmm. the, underneath the bottom of the barrel, that um, for me, it was like everything was a everything is a miracle. Oh, yeah. The fact that I, you know, was able to be clean and sober one day was an absolute miracle. What were the three things that you that you your your, your sponsor said? Write down the three things that you want the most in life. Right. And so the first one was I wanted to be clean and sober. The second one, well, the first one was I wanted to stay out of jail because I've been in jail too much. So I wanted to stay out of jail. I wanted to stay clean and sober. And the third one was I just wanted to live. Right. And now that now those priorities have shifted to other things that you want in life. Is that right? But, yes. But, but see, but there for a while for a person to simply say the main thing I want right now is Stay out of jail. And sometimes I think that's all the hope that an individual may need. The basic is that, hope, yeah. Right, is that we can lead people to, to experience, you know, when we're disappointed in something happening. I know I was talking to somebody and they were disappointed things didn't turn out. Well, find something that is working. Mm-hmm. You know, try to turn our attitudes and, and our um, our minds to the positive things because mm-hmm. I tell you what each and every one of us that are you know rich and I as we participate and everybody that hears and um, the programming we each have something to be very thankful well, something for something to offer and something to offer and God is saying that's what I'm calling you to do as an individual mm-hmm. is to bring that you know be someone's miracle to yeah. be you know to be that person that can reach out to someone yeah find that little Right. So the so the centurions back to the story. The centurion servant was about to die. Now the Roman servants were slaves. They were bought and sold in the marketplaces, marketplaces, and they were treated with abuse and cruelty. 
Were you ever in this situation? Mm. Were you ever about to die? Were you ever under the control of a cruel, abusive master? Who was it? Was it you? Yeah. See, and that's the metaphor right, right there is especially for an addict. Mm-hmm. He's got a cruel master. Mm-hmm. And his cruel master tells him he's just a slave and he's not worth anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, see? You, for me, and I know for you too, it wasn't until you thought better of yourself. See, the difference with the centurion was he actually cared about his servant. When were you able to get clean? When you actually saw yourself in the true light, that somebody actually cared about you. But more importantly, you began to care about yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You, your carnal nature, being your master, is out of gas, and you finally asked Jesus to heal you. But you have to—we have to think of ourselves as worth that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, a lot of times we tell the girls, the women at prison, you know, write down— some positive affirmations about yourself. Well, and I think that that's what's needed in the world as a whole. You know, you look at the youth and you look at, you know, even through the, throughout our, our whole um, uh, ages in life, it's, you know, do we feel ourselves worthy? There's so many people out there that, that don't see themselves worthy of being healed and of being a child of God. And I think because I think that Satan has gotten in there and just destroyed the true image of who God is. See, in the centurion, he doesn't go to Jesus and ask him to heal his servant unless he cares about him, unless the servant is worth something. And the same thing with us as people. We don't go to Jesus if we think we're worthless and not worth it, or we've done too much, too bad, too often for him, and and we're just going to go over in a corner and curl up in a ball and and just wait, ride it out, just like a a mule in a hailstorm, and just ride it out, right? right? Huck her down and ride it out. So it starts with, remember, you know what we tell the women in the prison? You're a daughter of the king of the universe. Absolutely. That makes you a princess. Absolutely. I'm sorry. You got to start thinking like that. Right. And the more you do, the more you're going to come to Jesus for healing. And then I think, too, so not only telling people who are downtrodden that they are like the women in prison, you are a princess. Do we express that to the people that we come in yeah, contact with everybody. every day? Do you, you know, do we treat people as though they are royalty or do we treat people like they're just in our way? So that's the little things that I, you know, when we try to figure out what are those things in our lives that need to be changed? You know, do we need to, you know, leave early so we can be a little bit more patient on the road? I tell you what, I thought it was going to be a... Bumper cars. It was scary driving down um, on the freeway today. And it's like, so, you know, how can I, I... I can't control everybody else, but I can control my behavior, my thoughts, and my actions. And can I you know, cause some goodness to be in this world. Yeah, you want to change the world, change yourself. Absolutely. That's where the start changes. That's the only way it's going to happen, yeah. Absolutely. Well, the centurion had heard about Jesus, and he knew that, th- that, that this is who um, he needed. Everything spiritual that was within him responded to Jesus. He feels his need and his unworthiness, so he asked the Jewish elders to help. Now, this is interesting that the centurion asked the Jewish elders to help. Um, number one, before we get into the Jewish elders, I want to talk a little bit about desperation and talking about taking away someone's desperation. And I've heard many a sponsor say that they've gone in to help someone, that a sponsee, 
and they end up paying their bills and getting them a job and this and that, and they take away their desperation, and next thing you know, they're back out there drinking or whatever they're doing. Right. So um, would you— and So we could say desperation slash consequences of our decisions, pre- right? Pre- precisely. Precisely. Where would you be had there not been consequences if someone had taken away your desperation? Right. So that's, that's you know, especially where we're at in California, there's always that discussion of, you know, what, what do we need to do with people who are, you know, struggling? And I'll tell you what, I, I am so grateful and so thankful that I ended up in jail. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think I would be alive today. Yeah, because you, you got clean in jail right. the third time. Yes. You suffered the consequences of your actions. Right. And uh, thank God for that, because then she got clean, then she got out and said, look, I can't hang around you anymore. And, you know, then I took inventory and I got clean. So it was it was through tough love right. that we are both clean right now. Right, it through consequences. And so yeah. um, it's hard, but we, you know, that's what we suggest people to, um, you know, allow consequences to happen. Yeah, Um and of course, once again, being a codependent is 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 doing something for somebody that they could and should do for themselves. That's another ditch we can fall into uh, when someone is. Uh, I mean, I've told sponsees, I'm not going to put more effort into your recovery than you are. Mm-hmm. There's things you need to do. They're simple, but they're not easy. But you need to do them. Right. And a lot of times we say, I just need to help them out a little more. Help them, you know, doing things for doing something for someone that they could and should do for themselves mm-hmm. is a co- is is a codependent. Right. We we, we don't want to be doing that. Right. Want to help people to mature. Yeah. Help them grow. Absolutely. So the Jewish elders take this message to Jesus. Now, when they meet, they say to Jesus, "That centurion was worthy for whom he should do this." Because he's loved our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. Nothing political there. No. Right? So they're telling Jesus, he does favors for us, you do favors for him. Is that mm-hmm. how it works? No. That's not how it works. In other words, um, does, does Jesus help us because we do his will, or because we do God favors? Or in doing the will of God, are we changed? And the byproduct of being changed is we do more for God. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not a, it's, it, that's a works-oriented religion right. when we start to do a bunch of good stuff for God and then expect favors in return. Right. Things, we, you could work your tail off all your life for God, and things may not go your way. Right. It's, it's not an exchange in that regard. It's an inside job that God is trying to do with us to come into our heart and change us. Right. So that's the—I've that's, seen, especially lately, so many people that are praying for healing, whether it be from a disease or, or a situation they're going through, and, and sometimes those prayers aren't answered. But I always like to kind of back up a little bit and say— as long as we're healed in our heart and our understanding of who God is and our connection with him has been healed, it doesn't... That's the healing. Right. That's the ultimate healing that we um, desire. It's not so much about, um, you know, being healed in this body, but being healed back into that restorative relationship with God. Right. Right. I just got something in the notes there. Would you read that in the notes right there? Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Okay. So... Because we see that on posters and stuff like that all the time. 
but I'm, I'm going to change that up a little bit. And I'm going to put it, running to Jesus in it is inevitable, but healing is optional. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have I gone to Jesus, gone to him crying, but I don't want the healing, so I go back to my old ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, meeting him head on, me- meeting him head on is is the health, I mean, not head on, but doing an, what he we know he asks us to do is therapeutic. Right. It's therapeutic. And I think it's I think it's the need that is the big thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like when you break your arm, the therapeutic need of going and, and participating in the process is what right. Par, what provides the healing. Yeah, and if we can if we can think of Jesus that way, that we're that it's therapeutic and, and it's you know, when we're going through those pains, it's for therapeutic reasons. It's not for punishment reasons. Right. Yeah. Right. So back to our story. Uh, Jesus immediately sets out for the officer's home, but it is slow going because of all of his followers. The news of his coming precedes him, and the centurion, in his humility, sends Jesus a message. Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that you should um, enter under my roof. He continues, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed." That's, that's a lot of trust. That's trust. Right. That's trust. You know, and I I read this passage so many times, and I never connected the dots until uh, putting the material together for this, this program, because the, the centurion, he continues on, he says, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers un, under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And then here's the key. He says, as I represent the power of Rome and my soldiers recognize my authority as supreme, so do you represent the power of the infinite God and all created things obey your word. Thou can command, you can command the disease to depart and it shall obey. This heathen centurion uses a brilliant metaphor right there. With Jesus, he says, just like I command my people, because I have authority, they recognize that authority, you carry the authority of God, and if you say something, it will happen. And he's, there's the faith, mm-hmm. but the metaphor is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Then he says, you can summon all your heavenly messengers, and they will impart healing virtue. Speak but the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, the centurion right here, he picked up on a very big point that sometimes we take for granted, that the angels possess healing power. Remember in the garden, the angels came and ministered to Jesus? I mean, if Peter in Acts went around healing, there's a whole world we know little about. We can't even see it. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor it has entered into the heart of man. God has agencies, heavenly agencies, to combat, if you will, right? The evil Was it agency. either Elijah or Elijah that uh, he prays to God that his servant's eyes be opened, and he saw the army, yeah, there that was the um, the yeah. host of heaven, there yeah, all to, there to, to be there, to be there, right? Yeah. And I think that you know we we lose sight of of that heavenly host that's there to minister to us and to help us. Yeah, we're in a war. Right. And Jesus says, in that war, you can't clean your head out and then not put nothing good in, because that guy you knocked out of there is going to go get seven more that are worse than him, 
right. and come back in and really mess with you. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so when Jesus heard these things from the centurion, he marveled at him, and he turned him about, and he said unto the people that followed him, he said, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not even in Israel. Israel. And to the centurion he said, as you have believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that same hour. See, and even the Jewish elders, they didn't recognize that it's our need, that it's, that's our only claim to God's mercy. In their self-righteousness, they commended the centurion because of the favor he'd shown to their nation, because of the help of the, that he gave them building the synagogue. But the centurion himself said, I'm not worthy. His heart had been touched by the grace of Christ. He saw his own unworthiness. Right. He didn't trust in his good deeds. His argument was only his great need. And his faith took a hold upon Jesus. He didn't even believe in him merely as a worker of miracles, but as the friend and savior of mankind. So he saw him in a different picture than than the actual leaders of Israel had seen him. Right. Now, Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. See there? He's denying this exchange right there. When Satan tells you that you're a sinner and out of touch with God, and that God can't bless you because of your condition or what you've done in the past, tell them that Christ came into the world to save sinners. It's our utterly helpless condition that makes his redeeming power a necessity. Absolutely. Abandoning all of our self-dependence, we can look to the cross of Calvary and say, in my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. You know, and it's, it's... I find, I find it fascinating that religion looked at the real Jesus and didn't like what they saw. But the centurion, born in heathen, heathenism, educated in a, the idolatry of imperial Rome, trained as a soldier, seemingly cut off by spiritual life, by his education and his surroundings, and still further shut out by the bigotry of the Jews and by the contempt of his own countrymen for the people of Israel, this man saw the truth the truth that the Jewish leaders were blinded to. Right. It's amazing. Yes, and he didn't wait to see whether the Jews themselves would embrace Jesus as the light, which comes to every man that came into the world. And so God looks forward to, with joy to the gathering of people from all the nations into his kingdom, from all the environments also. You know, we've sometimes, even Susan and I sometimes get, accused of neglecting God's people by going into the prisons to minister to prisons. Aren't, aren't they God's people also? Yeah, it's always been something that's um, strange to me. Yeah. That I'm, no matter, you know what, that's our belief, and, and that's where, where we um, have learned in God's Word is that everyone is a child of God, regardless child of God. if you're wayward. Yeah, or, some are misbehaving. Right. But right. they're still a child of God. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, and, and we're And no matter who you are or where you're at, you're in you're um, in deserving of God's love and mercy. Yeah. You know, and he, he, he's trying to woo us. He's trying to win us so that we'll choose him. Correct. Rather than choose the other way, choose the, the, uh, the way of selfishness, because there's not going to be any prisons in, in heaven. There's not going to be any cops on the street corner and none of that. Nobody's going to need. No locked doors. No locked doors, none of that. And so we choose that here. If we can behave here, 
then we can be accepted, you know. But that's an inside job. Only God can do that. Only God can even make us want to change. Right. Right? Right. And, but that's the, the beauty of going to the highways and the byways, you know. That's Ab- the beauty of that. Absolutely. There's nothing better than, you know, trying to reach out to a group of people that they believe that there's no hope for them. And and, and then I'll f- you show them a little flicker of hope, and they live up to that light, and then a little flicker more of hope, and they live up to that light. And I think and, that's why we're all here. Those of us that, that understand and truly love God, it's, that's the mission, is to go out and to reach others so that they can learn the truth about God. Yeah, I, I know when we go into the prison, it helps us more than it helps them to watch the change and watch the light comes on, the lights come on, because they're, they're, Ab- they're people. Absolutely. They're beautiful people in Absolutely. there. They just, they got... If we were one of them, We right? were one of them, and so, we still are. Yeah, you, know, you darn bet, it. <laughs> you bet. Okay, so you know what? We're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, remember, you can you can get this program at our website, www.justasiamministries.com, or give us a call, 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.